HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm joined by Beatrice Dixon, co-founder, chief innovation officer, and CEO of The Honeypot Company, a plant-derived feminine hygiene powerhouse intent on providing humans with vaginas a healthy feminine care alternative made with powerful and efficacious ingredients. Before founding The Honeypot Company, Beatrice worked as a pharmacy technician and an employee at Whole Foods experiences that helped her realize her position within the intersection of science and wellness where the Honeypot Company sits today. Honeypot products are available in tens of thousands of retailers, from Urban Outfitters, Target and Stop and Shop, to Walmart, CVS, and Walgreens. Okay, we're going to get going. I'm so excited. Welcome, Beatrice. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So you had a dream in 2014, and that started everything. And I, I don't go too deep back into the founder story, usually, because I'm really looking for brass tacks advice. But your founder story is definitely kind of a cool one. So what were you doing before you had the dream? And what happened in the dream? And then what did you do right after you had the dream? So... So it was in, so the, so we launched the company in 14. Mm-hmm. I had the dream though, like kind of in like late 2011, 2012. Okay. I don't know the exact date, but right. Yeah. Um, you know, cause who memory goes back that far? Like right. I remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> um, 
Um, but yeah, so, so I had bacterial vaginosis. I, I had it for basically almost a year of my life. And, um, within that year, nothing that I did worked, you know, I tried medicine. I went to the doctor. I went to Google, which is not where you want to go when your coochie's acting up. You know, I went, (laughs) I went, I went, you know, I went, um, I did every kind of natural remedy that you can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it, it was crazy. And so I, you know, I did that for almost a year. And my grandmother who transitioned actually when my mother was very young, she, she, she died when my mother was, was eight years mm-hmm. old. Um, and so, you, you know, so I, I never met her in this life right. physically, but when she came to me in the dream, she told me that she had been walking with me and seeing me struggle and that she knew what to do to fix it, you know? And, um, you know, and so she essentially gave me in the dream, we're sitting at a round table, everything's white. And she handed me a piece of paper and she said that, you know, all I needed to do was remember what was on the paper because it would solve my problem. And it was just a list of ingredients. Right. Um, You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't any. It wasn't anything at the moment in particular. Like right. Like my grandmother wasn't like this is going to be a company that you should right. start. Like that wasn't it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she was just like, "Girl, let me let me help you get your vagina together." Yeah. And um, you know, and so the list of the list was very simple. It was coconut oil, apple cider vinegar, rose lavender, garlic. It was just very very simple ingredients. Yep. And um, and so. In the dream, I basically repeated said ingredients for, gosh, it, it felt like forever. Mm-hmm. It felt like I repeated it hundreds of times. Right. Um, and and I remember my grandmother telling me to wake up. So when I woke up, I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. And I essentially went to work because I worked at Whole Foods at the time. And I pulled together these ingredients. And then that, you know, looking at everything that she had told me to get, it essentially showed me that I needed to make myself something. And I made myself what is now our vulva wash. So I made myself a wash with the ingredients that she told me yeah. to get. And then I started using it. And within four to five days of using it, everything went away. It was like so magic. I, you know? I want to chime in um, here a little bit. And because- so that's how things got started. Um, you know, and, and, and the way that... The walk away from that was, you know, I felt like, like, I remember the day that I decided that this was what I did now. You know, I, I was literally going pee. I was, do, I had smelled myself because my trauma response was so real to what I was going through for almost a year. And I had realized that what she had given me worked. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, what, what she had given me worked, And, and that was the moment that I was like, wow, if this could work for me, this could probably work for other people. And this is what I do now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want to chime in for a second because I, my father passed away, not this past December, but the December before. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, I mean, you know, I don't, this is a, you know, we, this podcast is usually like, how do you, you know, get into a retailer and what's the distribution <laughs> cost? But I mean, I, 
I don't, I don't know that until you've had a dream like that, mm-hmm. you might be a little bit like, really? But I mean, I, I had a dream where he, his hand was on my back and he was telling me something. I'm not going to go into it now, but mm-hmm. there, until you've had something like that happen, it's easy to be a little bit skeptical, I think. Right. Um, But once you have had a dream like that happen or been so incredibly blessed to have someone talk to you Mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. you know, you know that that is a hundred percent real and true and, um, and kind of life changing in a lot of ways, you know? And so I, I think it's beautiful. And I think it's, it's one thing also for you to decide that you, you know, that your grandmother helped you heal yourself. I think the next step of deciding now that you're going to now turn this into something for other people, that was a big leap. And so from the minute that you were like, okay, I think this actually belongs in the world. Like mm-hmm. what did, how did you even know what to do next? What did you do next? Um, well, what I did next is I created my own version of a clinical trial, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, because I knew that it was vulva care, you know, and, um, you know, and the way vulvas are set up, there is not one that is like the other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I needed to see how other people reacted to what I was making, because if it was going to be a product, then it needs to be consistent. Right. You need to know, um, you know, you need to know what works, what doesn't work, if it's too strong, if it's too light, if it's too, you know, if if the essential oils in it are too strong. Like there's so many levels yeah. to um to making skincare and especially to making vulva care. And right. so for like a year, um, I would make product and I would give it away, you know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I told people, like, the only thing that I ask is you tell me how it works. Like, how right. do you feel? Does it hurt? Is it too gentle? Does yeah. it burn? You know, whatever. Right. Like, and that feedback helped us to create um, our first kind of line of Volvacare products. You know, at that point, we had made one for, for humans that were pregnant. We had made one mm-hmm. for... Um, for children, um, that was really, 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 really sensitive because one of the ladies that used, um, I say lady because this human referred to herself as a lady. Um, so one of the ladies that used the product, she said that every time she would go to wash her bait, every time she would give her child a bath. And I want to say her child was maybe two or three or four years old. I'm thinking more two or three. She mm-hmm. said every time she would get in the bath and when she would get to the point to washing the baby's vulva, yeah. her baby would always, her child would always cry because yep. the, the the baby wash that she was using um, would, would is made her vulva itchy, you yep. know? Because why? Because it's not made for that, right? right. It's, not made, it's not made with the same pH va- balance of what, of what, her of what her vulva vagina was and so naturally it would make your your body itchy because you know whatever you're using on that part of your body it really has to have the right pH balance and needs to be right. Right, the right blend of ingredients right 
And yeah. so she started using she started using the wash that I had given her for her daughter. And and it got to the point to where her daughter when when it was bath time, her daughter was excited to wash her vulva. You know, right. she was like, "Mommy, yeah. we need to use this," you know, and right. so so at that time, it was like, well, maybe we should make it for that. So we were just ideating, really, yeah. and learning, you know. And, and then, then, yeah, it's no. And so, I mean, so you you have this group of people. They're giving you feedback. Mm-hmm. You're testing. You're learning. You're tweaking. I mean, and then how does a retailer then? You know, I think this was all in Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, all of this was in Atlanta between 2013, excuse me, between 2012 and 2013. And then, I mean, the retailers started to come knocking and they haven't stopped knocking since. So, well, yeah. Well, our retail partners came kind of post 2016. So, between 2014 and 2016, we were online. We okay. were doing like festivals, hair shows, right? And you know, um, farmers markets, anywhere we could get in front of hundreds or thousands of people in a right. matter of a weekend, we were there, right? Okay. Um, you know, we would do like trunk shows. We were just doing anything and everything because we needed to get in front of our customers. You know? Yeah. Um, and and then, doing it. Like how were, how did you, did you find someone to produce it for you? Did, were you no. like lab yourself? <laughs> no, we were making it ourselves, like in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it was just being made in the kitchen. We had a space, um, you know, we had a space and, and we just made that space into like our own little, yeah. um, kind of lab, you know? Right. Um, so, so we, we, we were just thugging it out. You know, it was very like, it was a very, uh, organic grassroots thing, you know? Um, and then went, so, so that, that went on kind of from inception to about 2016, 2016 is when target came. Um, and once target came, Kind of, and really, between 2015 and 2016, I'm, I must have intuited that something was going to happen, you yeah. know, because I had started talking to manufacturing facilities by that time and chemists. Right. And I didn't know how to do the shit, but I was like, let me just go, th- yeah. go to the Googles and start talking to these people. And yeah. I'll you know, tell you, the so number I, one... Yeah. The number one common denominator, I think of every guest I've had, and I think your guest like 215 is that none of us know how to do any of this shit. And yet somehow we figure it out and we ask questions and we, and we, you know, um, and most of all we fail. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For (laughs) sure. I mean, so what was that conversation like that first conversation with target like you what was that do you remember the conversation do you remember the phone call like yeah i mean it yeah she she had reached out through email yeah and um and she and you know and then we were I mean, first of all, like after we had like a million holy shit moments, because that doesn't happen every day. 
No, um, it, it happens have- more now than than what it did then. But it wasn't a thing yeah. that happened. And she had learned about us through her hairdresser, who, who had met us at a hair show that we were bidding I at. Love that. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, the random stuff. And um, and you know, I just it was like a fifteen minute call, and I remember her just asking me to tell her about the line and what we were doing and what we were passionate about and, you know, and she kind of ended the call by saying that, you know, what she was going to ask of me and of the brand was almost impossible to do. You know, mm-hmm. when you go into retail, you know, when you're going into like co-ops and, you know, infra stores, like, you know, kind of just natural markets, mm-hmm. you know, even the whole foods of the world, even though whole foods is a very powerful retailer. Yep it still only has hundreds of doors, right? Yeah. When, you, when you're talking about the Targets and the Walmarts of the world, they have thousands of doors, right? Yep. And so for her, it was like, you are literally like, I think by that time we had made like a $240,000 a year or something like that, which right. at that moment was a lot of money because we made that yeah. shit on our own. You know what I mean? Yeah. We earned that shit. But yep. still to her having this conversation you know, it, it was still tiny, tiny, teeny, teeny little ant compared to what she was used to dealing with. And so she was yeah. just like, look, you know, this is almost going to, this would almost be impossible for you. And I, you know, and I, I told her, I was like, I love impossible. Like I live mm-hmm. for impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I told like, I promise you, if you give us this opportunity and this shot, we won't fuck it up. We just yeah. won't, you know? And, um, and, and we got the opportunity to go back and meet with, um, and, and actually meet her in person. And so at the time that we talked on the phone, all that Honeypot made was washes, right? Right. Was with vulva washes. And then we were working with other companies like to wholesale them on our website. So when we went in to meet with Target, we took some of, you know, we, we basically mm-hmm. created prototypes of what a line would look like if we were to get the opportunity. So we made, so we had our washes, we took the same branding and we went to like a prototype. I think the prototype of companies called like rapid prototype. They're in um, Bentonville. um, Cause a lot of people use them before they go into, to, to pitch to Walmart. Right. And so uh, we we took the same branding that we had on our bottles, which is not the branding that you see today, right. and and we and and we asked them to make us a pack of pads, like a lo- a little line of pads, and then we asked them to make us a line of wipes, right? Right. And so when we went to meet with Mo at the time with Monique, yeah, who was our then buyer, she was like, "Oh shit, you came, you brought mm-hmm. me a brand." You know, yeah, and and that cost us a fortune. What felt like a fortune at that time, because it cost a couple thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? And that that's a lot of money when you're when you were as small as we were. Um, but it was such a great investment. I mean, this is such was, a good lesson. Yeah, you know, because there really is a difference between a product and a brand. And yep. I think that you know, I was just having a conversation with someone about private label. Yep. And, you know, you take Trader Joe's and you take Wegmans and, you know, Kirkland is the largest 
Kirkland, Costco's Kirkland brand is the largest consumer packaged good company, I think, in the world. It's bigger than Nike. Yeah. Bigger than Nike. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, for brands, it's a a scary time, right? Like, obviously, money is weird. Consumers are, you know, not thrilled. Retailers are having labor issues. And so... If you're if you're a, a retailer, yeah, sure, you lean into private label, um, right? But but the person on the other side of the argument was like, but you know what? Like, people always love a brand. They 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 do. It flows. It comes and it goes. But people love a brand. And I think what your this lesson really is is like when you do have an opportunity to go in front of these retailers because. They're always going to be looking for innovation. They're always looking for things to get new people into their stores. If you mm-hmm. show up with a product that's great, it, that's one thing. If you show up like you did with a pipeline, this yeah. is how we're going to grow. This is what it's going to look like. This is what, imagine what a whole set could be of ours or a whole end cap could look like. Right. You know, that's, that's such a, it's such a great way to go into the meeting what was the kind of guiding principle when it came to that innovation? Like you wanted to own sexual wellness. You wanted to own, you know, what did you want to own? I guess. At that time, I just wanted Mm -hmm. to be the first brand that crossed the aisle. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. At that time, there had been no other brand that had crossed. Right. It, okay. it was like at that time, if you made washes and wipes, that's what you did. If you made tampons, that's what you right. did. If you made pads, that's what you did. Got and it. to be honest, to be honest, it still is kind of sort of like that. But but yeah. once, once we realized who and what we were, which is why we were iterating in the beginning for the first few years, once we realized right. who and what we were, which is the vagina company, um, Mm-hmm. You know, and now we're turning into the personal care brand, right? It's 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 not just based on yep. vaginas and vulvas. It's looking at the whole thing. But that was that was really that was always the plan from this moment that we're talking about, right? But right. I, at that moment, we slash I was glen I, I was gradually like focused on okay. There, had, there has never been a company that has made washes, wipes, and pads, right? Mm-hmm. And then that went from there's never been a company that's made washes, wipes, pads, tampons. And then it was right. like, there's never been a company that made washes, wipes, pads, tampons, treatment, <laughs> right? It's like that. I'm going on a picnic. Yeah. You I mean, know? Because my thing was, <laughs> my thing was and still is, when you think of all of the brands that sit on the shelf that are synonymous Right. Which thank God for these brands, because they make a reason for us to be. Yeah. Right. I'm, I never talk about these brands as competitors. I, I think about them as partners on the shelf, even though, yep. you know, we are competitors yeah. technically. But you know what I'm saying? I don't think of them in a negative yeah. light, whether they're natural, yeah. conventional, private label. It doesn't matter that those products yeah. are on the shelf for somebody. Right. Somebody may need that particular product because that particular product works for them and people should have what mm-hmm. works. Right. Yep. And, and natural for some people doesn't always fucking work. So like, <laughs> right. And so, right. but, but what I wanted to do 
was think of when you think of Honey Pot, you want to think of us as a brand that we are we we like to look at the biggest markets. We like to look up until this moment. Who are the biggest names in the business and how do we right. create better for you options of those types of products? Right. Yeah. Because 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 those market sizes are huge and we need huge market sizes in order for us, especially when you're growing, you need huge market sizes and you need to reach a lot of people in order for it to make sense yep. for you yep. to go to a manufacturer, to have to, you know, to work with, to have internal chemists and to have, you know, which this takes a long time to do. You know, in the beginning, you're just working with your manufacturer. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. and you're developing your you're developing your formulation with them, or you're working with a chemist, and then you take that to a manufacturer, you know. But whatever way that you skin that cat, that shit is expensive, right? Right. No, I mean there were like eight lessons in that one little like two minute thing <laughs> that you just said. I'm like writing fiercely. <laughs> And I'm making, I'm writing like shorthand notes to myself. So I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to read them, That's hilarious. but we are going to take a little break. And then when we come back, I'm going to go back in and like go deep into a couple of the things that you just said. So we're going to be right back. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. I'm back with B. Dixon from the Honey Pot Company. Um, okay, so before the break, you you said a bunch of just such important things that I want to get into them a little bit more. But the the thing that kind of really sparked in my head as you were talking, because I'm picturing you in this target meeting with this innovation pipeline, and all of a sudden it's like you went from making this thing that was going to solve people's problems into there's a massive market out there for a massive brand that is synonymous with something for consumers. And all of a sudden it's like everything kind of exploded a little bit, you know, in terms of the potential and the opportunity and what was ahead of you. And, and, and I know people in that position right now, and that is amazing because it's amazing, but it's also a little scary for some because now all of a sudden your brand has to be a little bit more mature and you have to be a little bit more technical about what you're offering 
And sales are, to your point, very, very expensive, even if they give you a free end cap every now and then. So, you know, do you remember the, the, you talked about iterating those first few years. Do you remember growing into yourself? Do you remember that those feelings of growing pains, both from making the product, but also just the brand identity and, you know, these sort of like, it's almost like that awkward teenage phase or even like preteen phase, you know, like your, your arms, you can see what it's going to look like when you're tall, but you don't know quite how you're going to get there. Do you remember that phase and the feelings and, and some stuff that went along with it? I mean, look, we're still growing. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, th- yeah. I think, I think that people tend to think that just because you've reached a certain level of scale, yeah, that you all of a sudden become an expert and know everything. Right. And, you know, and like, that's just not how the shit works. Yep. Every level of growth that you have, you are growing into yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, we have always been chasing after our growth because we've always grown very, very fast, even now, right? right? Um, and so, yes, like I, I remember what it felt like. I remember what the hunger felt like to just want to get on and prove the concept. I remember what the feeling felt like um, and very grateful to remember and, and also still be feeling like because I'm still hungry, you know, like I need food. You know what I mean? Right. I met Melody Hobson and she told me that shit and it fucking blew my mind. Cause I'm like, yeah, yeah. like I, I am still hungry. Like I need food. Like I don't have any, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, but like, yeah, like I, I feel like we live in that space of, um, focus and drive and determination and, you know, um, and, and those moments, I may have felt it more intensely than the way that I do now. Right. Um, you know, but like, it's really important to continue to, 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 to lean into that feeling. I think now the difference is, is I'm not so emotionally attached mm-hmm. to things that I was then. Right? right. Like now, because a lot of the retailers now, are doing a program called Simplify to Amplify. It's not just one, it's all of them. Right. The world is changing. Economics are changing. Um, You know, all kinds of shit is changing right now, right? Right. And with with the thing that will constantly be, along with death and taxes, is change. Yep. Right? Um, And so, you know, so like now... Like, I remember back in the day, if we were having a conversation about changes or like, you know, discontinuing certain product lines or it would, I would feel it in my gut, Yep, you know, because it was like all of these product lines, all of these different types of products and innovation, they were like my kids. Yeah. Um, I I feel it. I mean. Yeah. But yeah. The place that I live in now, they are not my children. They are products. Right. They are they are they are products that are that are meant to serve humanity. But the thing that you have to pay attention to is is our people are enough people 
enjoying those products or do enough people know about those products right. or do enough people need those products, right? Yeah. And you have to let you have to let the products and the market and the retailers and the humans, most importantly, tell you what it needs. Yeah. And so if it doesn't need something, then you have to die to the emotion of it and be and be committed to what is going to be able to further the brand yep. and help to get the company into as many hands as possible. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that comes with building out your core, the things that are the things that people need and use consistently back to back. Right. Right. And so, you know, so yeah, like I remember the growing pains. I remember what it felt like to be emotional when we were having these conversations about things that needed to come off the shelf and go on Mm -hmm. the shelf and all the things. And I'm grateful that now I'm in a place and this is by the way, that emotional feeling was just like last year. Like I am just now getting to the place where I can have this conversation and be in agreement. If something isn't working to the level that it needs to work in order for right. in order for it to be able to because manufacturing is expensive. Right. right? So you don't want to be making something that isn't that isn't going because it ends up costing you to it try costs, to keep it there. Yep. Not it costs us to keep it there. It co- it costs in money and it costs in time and energy. Yep. Right? And yep. your your team only has so much. There's only so many resources and so many things that each team can do at any one given time. And if something yeah. isn't if something isn't um, giving us the result in money and 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 margin and profit that it needs to give us, then that shit has to go, yeah. right? That's just the way that it is. This is a business. This isn't. Yep. We're not doing this for fun. Right. Right. And so, and you know, because, because it ends up taxing and killing your team and that is not what we're here to do. None of these people are robots. They're human beings. Right. And, and they can't be, you can't be working for something that's not working as good as another thing. Right. And you just have to pay attention to that. And so, you know, it's, it's just becoming, yeah. You know, it's, it's just growing up in your business and, you know, and, and then I think yeah. I think what gets me, you know, I, I am still too close to it. I know that they're not my children. And I, I also know that I'm not a delusional founder. Like I'm I'm right. not one of those people who thinks that, you know, everyone in the world needs this thing. But I also, I do know when I've made something delicious that will make people's lives enhanced. Absolutely. And I think that what, what gets me frustrated isn't if the velocity isn't there, the velocity isn't there and I'm okay. Right. Gets me is when a, a buyer like, and I love our buyers. I love our retail partners. But like, because when you're in the wholesale business and you're not selling directly to consumers 99% of the time, mm-hmm. there's this like person in between. And sometimes I'm like, no, just, just trust me. Like the people will like it. Like just, you know, I get, this, yeah. I get this feeling of like, don't, don't stop it from reaching yeah. People, you know? Right. Because things take time. 
Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm with you on that sister. Like I'm, I'm completely with you on that. Yeah. And sometimes things have been on, sometimes you're having these conversations multiple times. And I think we have to understand that our, our retail partners and our retail buyers, they have people to answer to. Yep. And, and they have the same way we're tracking our sales and, and yep. tracking velocity and tracking all the things, they're tracking all the things. And, and in an environment, in an, in an economic environment like this, yep. um, you know, things have to change. And I don't think that these things last forever. Right. I think that I think that I think that there's periods of these things where where there's going to be moments where they want to simplify. There's going to be moments where they want to innovate. There's going to be. Yep. And you just have to be you have to be neutral and you yeah. have to go with the flow because because. Yeah, you're going to lose your mind if you're you going to lose you're going to lose your mind and you also have to partner with these retailers and these retailers are businesses and right. they have to operate that way they're 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 a lot of them are publicly traded companies so they can't be out here dilly-dallying like shit doesn't matter right right and i and i just believe that you ha- we as their partners have to align to that truth yep. right because we all have people to answer to we all have we all we all have things that we have to do, you know, yep. and so it's better to not be emotional about it and better to just yep. go with the flow because it may be just like this. If you're a good partner to that to that retailer and you have provided them a lot of growth within their company. Right. And you have provided them with a lot of innovation. Guess what? They're going to trust you. Just because mm-hmm. it's not working now doesn't mean that it can't work in the future. Right. And 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 just and just because it's not working now and you may have to stop doing this thing, it doesn't mean that it stops your business. You still right. the goal is to still have so many different other products right. um, within the portfolio that are working for the portfolio at any given time. Right. right? So like it's gonna be all right, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I think that's that's really good advice. I think especially for right now, because you know, there's there's definitely some some yeah, existential. Right yeah. <laughs> so I want to switch over to you know one of the things you've done, um, you know, and I I feel like I have a nose for these things, and you know, everyone talks. This, well, maybe not as much in 2023, but for like four years there, it was like our community, we're building a community. It's not a business. It's a community. They're not followers. It's a community. And I was always like, eh, really? But you really have, you've really Mm -hmm. built a community around, I mean, starting with, you know, giving it out to people and really getting the feedback. Um, Mm -hmm. You've offered your community support and help around a lot of things, you know, mental, physical, Um, you know, going back to the idea of what honeypot could be, you know, when did it start, when did you start really like codifying what you wanted to be in people's lives and how did that, how did you start building that out? I guess. From the moment we, we, we created this beautiful spirit and soul of a business called Honeypot from, yeah. from the fucking millisecond that it was created. It was created mm. to enhance people's lives. 
it was created to help people understand that um, there's no need for shame. There's no need for guilt. Okay. There's no need for, for um, you to feel um, there's no need for stigma. There's no need yeah. for these things when <laughs> half the planet has a vagina. Everyone yeah. on the planet, it took a penis and vagina for us to get here. Right. And, you know, seven times out of 10, you came out of a, out of a vagina, right? Like, like it, nothing should be weird right. when you're talking about that's how humans come onto the planet, right? Right. <laughs> Um, like it's, it's, it's weird that that is weird, you know? Um, and you know, and shame and guilt and stigma actually can create shit in your body Yeah, and create things that happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and it will make for you finding out about something that you have going on with your body. Those things do not make it better. They make it worse. Um, you know, and, and even getting off of for coming from that point of view, coming from another point of view, um, you know, humans that have vaginas, we, we, we nurture, we, you yeah. know, we, we go through a lot in our lifetimes. We, we bleed, we, you know, at some point you're going to have a baby. Maybe you won't, but you'll, even if you don't, you're probably going to go through menopause, right? Like, mm -hmm. So many things happen, you know, maybe there was sexual trauma, like maybe, yeah. right? Like, and, and that happens to more people than it doesn't, right? Like, um, yep. you know, there's so many things that happen around the vagina and the vulva and, and our sexual organ, organs. Um, and, and to me, companies that are in this type of business it should be to bring people together because to me, right. whatever the, whatever the core of the business is for, for kind of the body part or body parts mm -hmm. that you're serving, it's really important to align to what that is because that is the energy that's going to go out. And that's a very esoteric yep. way to look at business, but that's just who. I love it. I mean, it, I guess one of my questions is, you know, we, so I'll, I'll talk about us for a second in the context of that, because, you know, I made these sauces not to make a sauce product, but because I've been teaching cooking for 25 years. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot of dread around people cooking, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it feels like a burden. It feels like it's, there is a lot of shame because especially women feel like they are supposed to somehow intuitively know how to roast a chicken and make right. a pot of rice and most haven't been taught. So in not on, on top of not knowing how to do something and feeling incompetent, there's a shame of not feeling competent, which yeah. is absurd because it's ridiculous, ridiculous. And so for us, the company was always, it's not just about the product. It's about how do I hold a knife and how do I make a shopping list? And, you know, how do I not have to clean up 85 pots when people <laughs> eat it at four seconds and I hate them yeah. and I want to run away from my life. So I get it. I will say, and this is the question I have for you. 
that our early community of people, especially that came to us very invested in our sauces because they were at our cooking school and they were taking our classes and they were part of trying them and sampling them and making the company. I, I don't think that they resent the growth, but I think that they feel perhaps a little bit left behind mm-hmm. or they see us now and they think, oh, well now they're in, you know, now they're in like all these stores. So they're not, they're not as authentic anymore or they're not ours anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's like a, do you know what I mean? A yeah. little bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely know what you mean. So how do you, how do you manage when you build with a community, you're also more vulnerable to the whims of that community and to the feelings of that community. But you do want to scale and you do want to reach more people and you do want to give this to a broader audience. So how do you keep them feeling okay about it? I think you have to remain true to who you are at all times Mm -hmm. Um, and do that with the best of your ability and also understand that you're not in control. Right. Um, You know, we serve human beings. Right. We don't call them consumers. Um, we don't say women and, and, and she and, and her and all the things. We try to be very conscientious with how we speak to the humans that we serve because not all of those right. humans go by those pronouns and not all of right. those humans. Um, We're right? right. So like we, we, we work very hard while growing, which is also extremely hard. Um, to stay true to, to what our reason to be is. We, mm-hmm. we, we make education, prob- education is really the, the main product that we serve. And then we just so happen to make all these really beautiful, efficacious, clinically tested yep. skincare and vulva care products, right? Like, but, yep. not but, and... It's really important that we stick to that because we have definitely fallen victim to um, that type of energy, right? But the thing is, is that when you make something that's good and that and that actually coming from a place of wanting to actually be cha- the change in the world that you live in and coming from a place that you actually want to put really beautiful products on the shelf and make them openly available to as many people as possible. I yeah. think when 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 that type of energy comes into the conversation, you also have to be willing to talk to that energy to let them know that like this is for everybody. Yeah. Right? That um, you know, and 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 everybody should want us to be successful. If this if the relation because we are in a very committed relationship to the humans that we serve. Mm-hmm. Even if they didn't buy a product, even if they just read a of of something on social media, <laughs> right? Right. And and had something positive to say or had something negative to say. We are in a very deeply devoted, connected relationship with the people that we serve, right? Yep. And and in relationships, there's going to be ebbs and flows. In relationships, there's going to be miscommunications. In relationships, things are, you know, things are going to be great and sometimes things aren't going to yep. be great, right? But yep. like, I think you have to remain true to the fact 
that you are in fact in a relationship with your customers. Yeah. Right. No, because, beautiful. Because without them, there is no us. Right. Without these human beings taking their hard earned fucking money and, mm-hmm. and, and going into these stores and buying our products or going onto our website and being committed to paying the price and paying the shipping and getting in their car and using up gas. And you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. many things have to happen yeah. in order for a human to buy a product that we yep. make. We have to be good to them. We have to be loyal to them. We have to be kind to them. We have to respect how they feel. When we get into moments where it's where it's a hard time in the relationship and they're questioning our loyalty and all the things mm-hmm. and feeling left behind, we have to see those things. We have to hear them and we have to make them make them know and let them know that how they feel is valid. Even if it's not true, how right. they feel is valid. Right. And, um, if you're moving forward, I mean, I think yeah. this is such a good, you know, I, it's such a good analogy, right? Because I heard something once my therapist actually told me like when, when my fiance and I get into a fight, mm-hmm. it's not to, you know, middle-aged people having an argument, it's to 11-year-olds sitting in their trauma fighting. Doing their best. And (laughs) and feeling overwhelmed because, you know, I go to, I feel abandoned, and he goes to, I feel overwhelmed, and I don't know how to help you. Exactly. And, And so looking at it through that context is like, okay, that makes everything okay because yeah, you, you feel this way about how I responded to something. I'm not going to automatically acquiesce and say, you're right. You're right. I'm so sorry. You're right. I'm going to say, okay, I can totally see how you would feel that way. Mm -hmm. And this is perhaps what's happening in my world. And, and I think similarly, what you're saying is when brands trip over themselves to try to be you know, you can smell it again. You can sense yeah. the false apology. You can sense the false responsibility and accountability and, and crisis management people crafting the sentences. Like, yeah, when it's real, it, it, it communicates, the, it communicates. Yeah. Because, because Ali, everything communicates, right? Whether you realize it or not. That, that's one of the illest quotes that I have ever heard. Shout out, I seriously, Mr. Alexander Cummings. I was at a retreat with him a few years ago. That's and, a good one. And, 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 and one of the things somebody asked about, um, like, you know, what is advice that you can give us as founders, yada, yada, yada. And he was like, the main piece of advice, and this is a man who doesn't say much, but when he opens up his fucking mouth to say something, he says something. Everything and, can and, and and at the end of the day, you have to understand that everything communicates. Yeah. Every single thing. What you say, what you don't say, what your eyes say, what your what your products say, how you make them, how you serve them. Yeah. When you make a mistake, how do you respond? Like yeah. it's better just to be authentic. It's better just to be honest. It's better just to be like, yo, I made a mistake. That was my bad. It's better to just be like, you know what, y'all, I feel what you're saying, but like, this is a business and we have to grow. Right. <laughs> right? Like there are. And does everyone on your team at this point have, is that just like integral in the onboarding? Like, 
Mm-hmm. This is it, it's like pounded in relentless, you know, culture, culture, culture. This is who we are. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we do our best to do that, but also like we're growing, right? Like, yeah. like you do your best to serve as many people as you can and you're still going to fall short. And I think that you just have to be okay with that shit. Yeah. You know, because we're all just people trying yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. And that, and that is the, that is, that, that is the energy like that. Like I think yeah. as long as we can stick to that, then we're going to be all right. We can get yeah. through anything, you know, yeah. but like you can't, you can't treat people the way that you, in a different way than what you want to be treated. And you have to understand that we're people just trying to figure this shit out. And, and, yeah. and what is for sure going to happen is somebody's going to make a mistake. Yeah. Right. And and um and we're not the first one. To- Death, taxes, change, and mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like it is. Yeah. Like there's no way around it. But get, but I think I think I think if I think the thing that's most important is to give grace and to and hope that people can give you grace in return. And, and some people aren't gonna. Some people, some people are just going to be in their, in their bag and, and be like, no, fuck that. I'm not using this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't like you. I don't want you. And guess yep. what? That is their right to feel that way. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, we were at about the time, but yeah. I just want to say when I sent my team the article that you all were giving out free products during Beyonce's tour in the bathroom. I thought like everyone basically just went around the room gobsmacked thinking like what a genius fricking way to go. Like it aligns so perfectly with who the company is, the products, the, the way that you did it. You know, I don't even know you know, I would imagine there were tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people just, you know, going to these cashless vending machines. I don't even know if how many emails you got from the QR code scans. I don't even think it matters, but you were so, it was, I think what was so, it wasn't like, oh, that's such a genius marketing move. It was more like, this is so aligned and it feels so right that it, it has to work. It was like perfect flow. Um, so well done. Thank you. Well done. Um, all right. I mean, this has been an amazing hour. I feel like I also had a little bit of a therapy session. So (laughs) I thank you for that B. Um, and you know, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that it, it isn't easy and we didn't even cover, that you don't have a laptop, but maybe we'll do a part two <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll do it then. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't use those anymore. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really, I really am gratefully grateful. Thank you. Thank you. And Armin, thank you for engineering the show. Um, listeners. Thank you. I did have like a hiatus, because the network had a very well-deserved vacation, but I didn't let anyone know that like I wasn't coming back next week. But now I am coming back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. 
in the sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.